Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. Um, I'm glad we're recording because otherwise I just have no idea it's Friday. Like, time is bendable. My mind is soup. I posted on our Slack channel the gif of Bart Simpson dragging in everything for as he's trying to stop, <laughs> ostensibly stop Flanders from at murdering Lisa with an axe. And he's dragging in a tricycle and a garden hose and a dog. And he's yeah. just <laughs> dragging himself <laughs> along. It also gave us the immortal, uh, you you have reached the police hotline. If you, if you know the oh, king yeah. or queen who's being murdered, <laughs> please dial one. You have chosen regicide. I love that Final Fantasy XIV has a quest called You Have Chosen Regicide. That's pretty brilliant. And it's a, a quest where you kill good King Mogglemog. Who's it has- no good. It has been a long week, though, but it's okay. It's it's Friday for us. It'll be the beginning of a new week for you guys, and we have fresh off the griddle. I, oh, God, it really has been a long week, and I'm very tired. I don't know why I would say griddle. Uh, we have a Trials of Mana remake review, so that's going to be very exciting. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to do a Trials of Mana remake. We're going to talk a little bit about action RPGs, and we're going to do another track of the week. And this week... Yes. Our track is going to be from Secret of Mana, uh, and not the ones that you think. Uh, we we like to be unpredictable in this in in this area. Yes, uh, very. We're, we're very very much into surprises in this in this uh, timeline. If you enjoy the podcast, can I suggest that you give us a review? Uh, you can leave the review over in iTunes. It really helps the visibility of the podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. If you want to leave a message, if you want to talk to us, uh, my DMs are open over on Twitter. And you can also reach me at cat.bailey at usgamer.net. We like to do a monthly mailbag. And uh, we like to compile a lot of mail into one episode and come up with a lot of fun topics and that kind of thing. So we may read your comments or suggestions or what have you in a given episode. We also have a newsletter that comes out every single Wednesday and it is written by Nadia. It collects all of the RPG headlines and RPG related articles that we write every single week and it has a nice little op-ed. Nadia, what was the topic of this week's newsletter? I think you'll agree wholeheartedly with my newsletter this week, which was I am going through Final Fantasy VII at my own pace and, I, and that is definitely the best way to do it. Oh, sorry, Final Fantasy VII Remake, not not the first one. You're not shotgunning um, it in a single weekend like Katie? I cannot shotgun that game. I don't know how she did it. And and she's she's kind of like you, like shotgunning this game. You had to, but she's shotgunning it because she wants to because she's Katie. And she's like, oh, I hate this so much, but I want to 100% it. I hate it, but it's my game of the year. You know, it, it, it evokes such conflicting feelings. And I am so glad that I am able to take it at my own pace because I just got through the sewers uh, in Don Corneo's mansion, and that was just like, wow, get me out of here now, please. And, uh, I mean, it wasn't the worst thing I played by far, but Final Fantasy VII Remake just has a lot of quote-unquote dungeons like that where you you just want to do it and then take a break. And I am glad I can take that break because then I'm like, okay, I'm ready for this again. I, I love these characters. I really love what they did to Midgar. And I am so invested in the idea of part two and what's going to come with that. But by God, these are some bad dungeons. Ah, thank you. <laughs> Y'all <Yeah>. understand now. <laughs> no, I, told I totally ya. understand. 
I'm actually convinced that the way having to review Final Fantasy VII Remake might have uh, it didn't ruin my experience, but it hurt it because it must have. I agree. I, I see where that I see where you would come from on that because um, I, I I largely agree with your review. I haven't seen the ending yet, so I can't say whether or not I agree with that or not. But I mean, I love the characters. Like I said, I, I think Midgar is fantastic, but is just not the most fun game to play in the universe. I think it's a plenty fun game to play. It's just that there are times when... There are times when dungeons just super outstay their welcome. And exactly. I think the pacing can be really wonky. I mean, some of the, a lot of the boss battles are outstanding. There's a lot to love about the gameplay, for sure. Yes. It's just that there's a certain point when you're like hour three of Mako Reactor number five, you're just like, I need to be done with this. I don't care anymore. <laughs> I'll just blow this shit up and get out of here. <laughs> so, uh, funnily enough, I am, uh, I'm thinking about writing an article this coming week along the lines of the further away I get from Final Fantasy VII Remake, the more I like it. Yes, it is definitely a game that, even though it irritates the hell out of you when you're playing it sometimes, you when you stop and you think about it when you're doing something else, you're like, oh, I want to go back to that. Like, I, I'm, I'm really kind of having fun with this game. Sometimes the negatives of a game stick with you the most. I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of the negatives of God of War, for example, of 2018, ended up sticking with me uh, and kind of dominate my memories of that game. Whereas with FF7 Remake, all of the good stuff sticks with me. Like all of the character interactions yeah. and how nice the game could look a lot of the time. And uh, I've even come around in the ending a little bit. Uh, yeah, there you go. Though, I mean, I still don't like the Kingdom Heartsiness of it all. I do think that it's at least interesting that they went they went for it, dang it. They, yeah, they they definitely made it as you said in your review. It is a remake through and through. Yeah, like they they took the word remake literally. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fine since I think you've said this before, people tend to play it very safe with remakes and this did not play it safe. Yeah, like this game, so many people are just all about the fan fiction and they're like, "Nope, we're doing our own thing. Whatever." Yep. Yeah, you don't like it, go join another fandom. And it's like, "All right, fine i'll just like i'll roll with it sure but may as well yeah no it's just uh like i don't know like i kind of want to sit back and kind of write an afterthoughts type article so maybe that's something that's not a bad idea you should do that next week and it's kind of at the point where you know despite its flaws i am really really waiting sitting and waiting for news any kind of news on part two because i am very eager about that couple of news items for you first is A Realm Reborn is getting some changes to the base content. I guess we've now reached a point with Final Fantasy XIV that they are updating the original story. Speaking as somebody who played through the original story, do you feel like it needs a lot of updating? I basically have just finished A Realm Reborn. Uh, I'm kind of in the Dragon Song War right now, which is between A Realm Reborn and, and Heavensward. I haven't been able to play in regularly in quite a while because of so many reviews in my life, and you know, thankfully those are clearing out soon, and I get back to work. Um, the story in A Realm Reborn, I can see why they're making some changes. Like, it is a great story, not definitely not the best story of the Final Fantasy XIV compilation. There are some, I'm told, like basically Heaven's Word and 
uh, Shadowbringers is incredible, and whereas A Realm Reborn is a little bit more standard, you know, Final Fantasy story. So I can see why they want to kind of, you know, streamline that, get people through it. One thing I do remember a heck of a lot of in A Realm Reborn, and this is, I guess, this is typical of all MMORPGs, is a lot of going here and there, getting this bit of story from this guy, getting that bit of story from that guy, and a lot of fetch quests in between. So I'm guessing that's what they are going to be streamlining. What I'm really jealous of is that they are implementing flying into these maps now after I am done with them. Uh, so that's that's good for, for everyone else, I suppose. But, uh, you know, screw me and my nice chocobo, I suppose. <laughs> well, okay, I won't do those things. But I think that the thing that I would hope the most for with Realm Reborn is maybe more interesting quests. I heard that especially the beginning of a Realm Reborn is a little fetch quest heavy. It is. A Realm Reborn starts off quite slowly. Uh, it does pick up, but yeah, there it's there is quite a few fetch quests and uh, and stuff like that. It's not as quick to get you into the main game as other MMORPGs, but it's not too bad. Uh, I always had a hard, I always feel like I'm kind of like, okay, I'm going to get into Realm Reborn. It's time. I'm finally going to play Final Fantasy XIV, and then I get to that first fetch quest and just immediately run out of gas and just don't want to play anymore. <laughs> I Yeah, I honestly am not sure what to what degree they are tailoring this content, but um, I am hoping for less fetch quests. That would be pretty great. So, uh, yeah, let's hope they do that for you, and you can get into the game finally and join Mike and I. I'm not sure if Hiran is still playing, though. It's too time-consuming. I don't have the time for it. I'd rather play Stellaris and put a thousand hours into that. Yeah, that's fair. Everyone has that one game that they can dedicate their their selves to and maybe don't have the energy or the bandwidth for other ones. Like, you won't catch me playing uh, World of Warcraft anytime soon if I'm playing Final Fantasy XIV. I I don't think I'm ever going to stop playing Animal Crossing. That game just has me forever. I can't escape it. Yeah, I am still checking my village pretty much every day. And always finding some new stupid thing to build. Like I'm building a, a little community center with a pool and, and lawn chairs and, and all of this and that. And there's always something I'm, I'm doing. And I share the island with my husband so we kind of collaborate on, on projects and we have a good time. So Nintendo's doing something really clever here by kind of turning it into a game as a service where they're introducing new content gradually. Like in, in the old days, you would have had Red there right away. But here, Nintendo's like, okay, well, maybe you're slowing down just a bit. Hey, here's Red to make you reinvest it in this, in this whole world and give you something new to do. So that's a, that's a really neat thing that they're doing. We're also now at the point, and I promise this won't turn into the Animal Crossing podcast. We're also now at the point where most people have finished the game and are terraforming and doing some really remarkable stuff. Yeah, and- holy crap. And Katie was showing me various things that post people are posting on Reddit, like these insanely beautiful uh, shopping districts that are leading up to Red's ship. And I'm like, I want to do that. Holy crap. Yeah. And that's it's... making me completely rethink how I want to arrange my island. And it's so time consuming to move everything around and mess with everything. And it's just like, uh, yep, this game, I'm never going to stop playing this game. I'm going to be playing until yeah. Christmas. That's uh, that's the interesting thing about Animal Crossing. I've I've heard complaints from people who don't like the the series being like, "Oh well, I don't really like it because it's not very interactive. Like you can have this, you can have a lovely kitchen, you can build yourself that, but you can't really you know cook anything or anything like that." And some people don't like that, I, and I totally understand that. But at the same time, Animal Crossing is basically a virtual dollhouse. You can, if you want to have a room that's say like I saw someone who made a room that was basically a ramen restaurant, and it was perfect. 
So, and the other room was like a bathroom. So Animal Crossing gives you so much to do, so many items to, to fool around with that if you're, if you can imagine it, it can become something to use a cliche. Yeah. It, I, and I like virtual dollhouses because they don't require a huge amount of thought and I get a lot of agency and control over the experience. And so I can just tinker away to my heart's content. Whereas if I'm playing a game like, I don't know, Fire Emblem or Final Fantasy VII Remake, it feels a lot more like a commitment. And it's yeah. a lot harder for me to get up the energy to actually keep playing it if I'm not reviewing it, which is kind of why I'm I'm glad I finished Final Fantasy VII Remake because I'd probably be playing that game until freaking December otherwise. I never yeah. finished Persona 5, which is like my lasting shame. I love Witcher 3, still haven't finished the dang DLC. And part of the problem Speaking. is that my consoles are in a separate room and I don't like separating myself away from like everybody else just so I can play video games, so... I'd much rather oh, hang out in the living room with my Switch. Yeah, I think we t we discussed that because I brought that up in a newsletter a couple weeks ago. But not me. I am just totally like, leave me alone. It's time for RPGs. I am the stereotype <laughs> that Yamauchi mentioned in the 90s about the RPG players who like to sit in the dark and be depressed. That's me. All right. Uh, speaking of Fire Emblem, by the way, happy 30th anniversary to Fire Emblem. Yeah. It's Holy crap. It's been 30 years since Fire Emblem and uh, Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon. I, I can't I can't remember the exact title of the original game. The one with Marth came out <laughs> on that Famicom in Japan. Obviously, Fire Emblem is a game that needs no introduction. Uh, we did an extended retrospective on Fire Emblem Blazing Sword for its 15th anniversary, which is the game that I think a lot of Americans would know pretty well. Obviously, it has a long and storied history in Japan, and there are certain games like Genealogy of the Holy War, which haven't really made it over here in any mm. form. You can play yeah. fan translations of some of them. Uh, I, I would really love to see a Genealogy of the Holy War remake, just so that Americans can kind of uh, grapple with it for the first time. It would be very nice. Yeah, I'm actually quite surprised. Like, I thought for sure... Fire Emblem Shadows of Valentia was the start of a, a whole trend of remaking older games for Americans to enjoy, but unfortunately, it doesn't seem that's the case yet. Still playing Fire Emblem Heroes for some reason? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's got to have that mobile game that they throw their life onto. Yeah, well, I guess that's just at this point, I'm so far in and so in, in so deep that I'm like, well, I don't want to commit to anything. Like, I have yeah. my friends all play this, this anime tower defense game called Arknights. Which oh I hate tower defense. It's enjoyable actually. It's very anime, but mm. I also was looking at everything that goes into it and realizing that there's this whole new fat game to learn, and I'm just like I, I just don't have the energy. <laughs> I already know Fire Emblem really well. I'm just gonna stick to that. Exactly. Like sometimes you just gotta justify sticking to the old things when you when you're just busy or given this environment we're in right now. If you don't want to put the brain power towards learning a whole new system, don't do it. Anyway, we had a nice little article kind of recapping, uh, fire, briefly recapping Fire Emblem's history, and Eric was observing that Fire Emblem, a little bit of a high note right now. Mm -hmm, definitely. Um, Three Houses did a lot to boost his reputation. It sold really well. People are still really into the game. I still see a lot of like fan art and stuff, and uh, Fire Emblem has always been one of those series that endures and has a very strong fandom, and I'm glad to see that it's the case with, uh, with uh, Three Houses as well. I think it's been really aided by the mainstreaming of anime. 
fandom. Oh, definitely. All the yes. anime, all the hardcore anime fans grew up and retained a lasting appreciation for it. I felt like 10 years ago, there was still a lot of like anime was still very much on the outs, even in mainstream nerd culture. And yeah, yeah, definitely. Now it feels like it is the mainstream. So I think Fire Emblem has definitely benefited from that. Yeah, people are like not shy about talking about their waifus and husbandos, and that helps as well. <laughs> anyway, so happy 30th anniversary to Fire Emblem. All right, Nadia, you reviewed Trials of Mana, the remake for U.S. Gamer. Yes. You gave it a four out of five. Some people observed that we actually gave it a higher score than Final <laughs> Fantasy VII Remake, which yes. I think just goes to show that scores are kind of arbitrary and ridiculous. And trying to say, oh, but you gave this game a higher score than that game. I, I think that we take these games on kind of a case-by-case basis. I was not we peering really into the future and thinking, well, I better score Final Fantasy VII Remake a 4.5 out of 5 because Nadia is going to score Trials of Modern yeah. Remake. I mean, I think that it really is an individual thing where you go, okay, well, what is this game trying to accomplish? What, How good is it in the grand scheme of things? Is How successful it is, is it? Uh, do the Does the bad outweigh the good and vice versa? Uh, I am now going, taking all of these factors, I am now going to attach an arbitrary number to it, uh, 3.5, <laughs> right? Yeah, I really, I really freaking hate that, putting numbers on things like that, but it's just what we kind of have to do. Some people have abandoned numbers, we have not. I mean, if you think about Final Fantasy VII Remake in the context of a AAA game, it has some weird things about it, uh, some real pacing problems and all of that. And yeah, so you're exactly. like going, okay, well, in the context of its budget and what it's trying to accomplish and all of that, like there are some things that it really heckin' succeeds at and some things that it really falls down at. And with Trials of Re- Mono Remake, it is trying to be something completely different. It's on a totally different plane of existence. It really is. I'm, I'm not going to rate, I'm not going to hold up Trials of Mono, clearly a budget game, against like a AAA RPG. It's just not... That does no service to anyone. It, it doesn't do anything for anyone. But how does it compare against Witcher 3? Well, <laughs> oh, that's the important thing. Uh, yeah, Trials of Mana versus Witcher 3. Let's, let's do that. I want a review <laughs> that's just like, Trials of Mana Remake is not as good as one of the greatest games of the generation. Therefore, like, two out yeah, of five. No <laughs> yeah, I kind of had to say, I got a little bit snarky on Twitter saying like, you know, oh, sorry, you know, I decided to part from the the US gamer hive mind that day and, and go on my own and make my own kind of score because you know everyone as much as people don't believe it sometimes we are all individual human beings we don't commune with with antenna or anything like that um wait you don't we, oh well i just uh no of course we don't cat uh wink wink <laughs> but uh yeah my play my plane of rating my my plane of of like experiencing a game is so different from cats mike's is so different from katie's we're all we're all just people we're not in anyone's pocket we just want to review the game stick a number on it and tell you if you should buy it or not yeah i think the we all have our own personal experiences in the way that we come at it like i would be coming at trials of mana from a very different outlook than you i mean probably you come at it from a the perspective of a mana fan 
you have a lot of experience with this series. You like Seiken Densetsu three like looms large in your mind. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a game that you were thinking about a lot in the nineties. I didn't even know it existed until the two thousands. <laughs> you didn't trawl the internet and like look for for articles and and curse uh, uh, Secret of Evermore for being the reason we didn't get it, which is totally not true, but everyone believed it at the time. So I think that if I reviewed Trials of Mana remake, I or Trials of yeah. I would be coming at it from much more of a newcomer standpoint, and I would be thinking much more in terms of like, almost like it's a standalone game. I wouldn't be thinking of it as much in the context of the series history, right? Right. You would be thinking of it as just a plain old action uh, RPG. Right. And also, like, the way that you approached it with your review is that you were thinking a lot about like, okay, well, how does this improve upon the original? Like, yes, what does that, and that add was important to, it? to me. How yeah. does it, how does it, how does it function as a remake, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and in, I felt, go ahead. I, I felt that was an important thing to go for because at this current point in time, you can buy Trials of Mana as the 3D remake, or you can still buy it in the collection that came out. Um, I forget what it's called, Collection of Mana or whatever. So you can play the 2D game or you can play the 3D game, and I wanted to kind of make it clear to people what version might suit them best. Yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a weird thing. So I'm gonna say that I've played basically the demo of Trials of Mana. I I got an extended look at it a little while ago. I played what's the name of the gal with the spear, the Valkyrie girl. Reese, she's Reese. Yes, I, I think I shared some of my thoughts there. I got all the way through her intro and then through a lot of the introduction stuff and got onto the main quest and all of that. Started recruiting my party members. I played through Charlotte's intro. I, oh, I got a feel for it. And my feel for Trials of Mana was that if this were just a game that were in front of me, I would probably play it for a bit and then bounce off it because I definitely was not feeling it in those opening hours. You're not a fan of action RPGs besides The Witcher, though, right? I mean, it depends, honestly. Like, Okay, I don't really think Dark Souls is an action RPG, but I think that it is a really good action game. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I, maybe we'll get to this in a little bit, but I don't know that I would necessarily hold the gameplay against Trials of Mana against it as much. I think that I think I hold the story against it more. The story has never been Trials of Mana's strong point, and that was the case with Seek and Detetsu 3 as well. That was an interesting thing because he, the way it works is you choose three characters and there are basically three storylines to follow and the character you choose as your lead determines which storyline you follow. The basic premise is Mana is depleting from the world as usual and there are eight, uh, I forget what they call them, but there are basically eight Mana beasts that are enclosed in crystals and if they are released they will destroy the world but of course you have power-hungry empires who want their power, blah, 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 blah. So everyone's kind of making a race for the Mana Holy Land so they can release these beasts. And at the same time, each character kind of has their own narrative to follow. And it's very, very ambitious, but especially for the time for this for the Super Famicom. But what you get as a result is a, a bunch of stories that kind of sometimes gel together, sometimes don't, and ultimately don't really spend enough time to make anyone super interesting um the original secret of mana also had a very simple story 
But since it focused on those three characters and just kind of took them on a linear path from like, you know, exile to the, the monetary and to the Mana Fortress, it was effective in its own way, in an emotional way, especially the ending. You don't really get that with, with Trials of Mana so much. I don't know if I should be holding this against Trials of Mana, but I guess what I'm saying is that I don't think that the story translates that well from 16-bit to more of a modern look. I think because Trials of Mana has this really chibi look to its characters and it's kind of a simple-looking 16-bit game, it's easier for me to compartmentalize and go, oh, this is a nice little story. It's it's a little Saturday mm-hmm. morning cartoon-ish in a yeah. lot of points. Or, you know, Disney Renaissance, whatever. But I don't care because the sprite art is really nice. And with much more modern aesthetics, I just think that the story as a whole doesn't work as well. And I'm not sure what Square Enix could have done to fix that short of a wholesale rewrite. Yeah, and clearly they didn't do that because it is, again, a budget game. Um, come to think of it, you played Reese, and one thing the remake does offer over the original game is you can go back and play each character's prologue as they join your party if you want as an option. So I did play through Reese's story because I couldn't didn't really know it that well. As I recall, there were these two ninjas who were kind of funny, like who were like playing tricks on her stupid brother and to make her to convince him to, uh, you know, uh, open up the the gates or something like that. So yeah, I see where you're coming from. It was very. Very simple, kind of fun, um, but it probably doesn't translate as well in a with 3D models, even though the 3D models are very cute. Yeah, I think so. I think right there, it's hard for me when I look at Trials of Mana as just a piece of media that stands alone. I'm going, well, I don't think the story holds up. So mm-hmm. to me, that's a strike against it. Um, yeah, I dinged the story, so there's that. Yeah. Uh, I think the graphics are pretty nice. Uh, I think that yeah. the... I've seen people rag against it, but uh, certainly it's way better. Like the cell shaded even though the cell shaded look has kind of a budget look to it, it's way the heck better than the very simplistic 2.5D look of the Secret of Mana remake. Yeah, I actually noticed that right off the bat, even though, yes, it does have a, a, a kind of a lower budget look. You can tell they took care with it. Like I remember early in the game, I was standing on... A tower because I think I started with Kevin and he starts in a forest. I love that his name is Kevin. Isn't that great? And his his Kevin the werewolf. Carl. <laughs> Kevin the werewolf. Well, he's half human, so I assume that's mother named him. But it's still a great name. But I was standing on a tower and I was kind of looking over the the landscape and there was the forest and in the distance you could see a town that you couldn't get to early in the game, but you can get to later in the game. So there was definitely a level of detail, a level of care that you can see there. Um, again, I climbed a very very tall mountain in the in Reese's kingdom and you could see like the whole world kind of sprawling below you so yes that's that's the kind of care they took with the graphics and I would not say oh it, it's all just a you know they were cutting corners for budget uh they definitely took care with it especially compared to, to Secret of Mana I think the only thing that I really hold against uh, Trials of Mana's graphics is that the animation can be a little stiff at times especially in combat a little bit, yeah. Um, I have noticed a couple of instances where uh, a townsperson's dialogue indicates they're supposed to be doing something. Like there was, a, there's an instance where these townspeople are beating up on a uh, Nico, a cat person, but they're saying like, you know, take that, take that, and they're not moving, and that was hilarious. I, and then as for the combat, uh, like you had a lot of praise for the combat, 
I thought that it was it seemed a little simplistic early. Does it improve a lot? It really does improve. Um, did you ever get to the point where you have three characters in your party? I did, yeah. Um, I guess I just felt like I was racing through a lot of enemies. And like they were doing their thing and helping out as well. Uh, but I didn't feel like there was a huge amount of tactics and strategy to it. I, I was starting to dig into the customization a little bit. But like I said, still pretty early. Yeah, you do have a lot of customization options in later in the game with the skills you can use, the magic you can use, especially since there is class changing in this game and there's an extra class you can you can achieve, you can strive for, and your character can, can change drastically depending on how you, you, you class change them. So if you got far enough to get into that really in-depth class changing, you, you might find you like it because there, there is a lot to do, a lot to consider, and I enjoy it very much. But the combat I was thinking of definitely in terms of uh, the remake versus the new game. And on its own, I do like the combat, but I am someone who who kind of likes the more mindless combat. I'm not calling uh, Trials of Mana's combat mindless, but I am saying, yes, it is not quite as strategic as a game like The Witcher 3, obviously. Uh, I think it's much better than Trials of Mana, the original SNES game's combat. That's, that's exactly it, yeah. Yeah, and that was a huge... It is a huge improvement, because I do like the original Trials of Mana. It is a gorgeous game. I say it's basically a miracle that they did it on the, on the Super Famicom. But the combat is not very good. You basically hit buttons and pray that you outlast the enemy. There's really no strategy to it whatsoever. It's literally throwing numbers against numbers and hoping for the best. <laughs> yeah, whereas in Trials of Mana, uh, you can charge up an attack... Uh, you when you hit enemies, you charge up a gauge that unlocks a, a powerful attack that can often hit multiple enemies. And it it's not like a gigantic leap, but it's certainly more nuanced than what I saw in the SNES game. Yeah, and you have to consider things like, uh, oh, there's flying enemies, you have to jump and, and bring them down. Uh, there's combos, uh, which are fun to execute, and each class you you kind of take on has their own little combo to execute um there are armored enemies to consider there is definitely more strategy compared to the original Seiken Jitsu 3 so i i think that it's definitely an improvement on it, it does what a remake should do which is take the source material stay relatively faithful to it but also find ways to improve upon it and i think it does improve upon the gameplay but then it also throws into question of whether Seiken Densetsu was ever good in the first place or if we were just blinded by its connection to Secret of Mana and that really nice sprite art. Maybe it wasn't, it, maybe it was never a good game. Maybe it was just kind of always bleh. I, I played through it the, uh, the when it came to the Switch and I enjoyed myself. But yeah, I realized, oh my God, this combat is terrible. I, ha I can't really win. I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, except all you can really do is, is carry a whole bunch of healing items and, you know make sure that you change to a class that offers healing spells, which you have to look up because, believe it or not, you can't multi-target uh, healing spells unless you're a certain class, and that's that's so stupid. Yeah, and Charlotte's one of the best healers in the game, so you gotta have of her course. in your party. You can't escape her. Uh, you, you, what you can do, Charlotte, yes, she is definitely the best healer in the game. She gets the multi-heal skill within her first change, uh, class change. But if you are patient 
wait it out, and Kevin can become, I think it's a warrior monk that can cast multi-heal ca- uh, light. So, yeah, but on the other hand, Kevin and Charlotte share a storyline, which doesn't mean much, so don't don't suffer with Charlotte if you don't have to. True or false, Charlotte ruins Trials of Mana. I don't think so. You, you can basically not play it as her at as all. And like I said, there are other ways to heal in the game. I might even... I'm not 100% sure about this, but I think there might be some changes to classes and spells that makes it much easier to get a multi-target spell with other characters. Like, I know Kevin can do it. I know Duran can do it. I'm not sure about anyone else, though. But if you want the full experience, you can't avoid her. You can't avoid her in her baby talking. I don't know why. I would love to know why they did that. I understand she's supposed to be cute. She's like, you know, that 15-year-old ancient elven girl. You know how that trope works. But, uh... They replaced all her R's with, with W's, and like I said in my review, it's like that, that meme with the, with the person saying, "Hello, Mr. Obama, I'm drowning." Like, whoa, <laughs> oh no, hello, Mr. Obama. Then perish. It's one of the best memes ever, but I hate Charlotte. I think that the reason they had her talking like that in the original SNES game was that. I don't know. They were just like, well, how can we make the the dialogue more interesting? I don't know. Let's give her a, a quirk for when she's talking that kind of accurately captures the extremely high pitched earpiecing, earpiecing uh, Japanese version where is, she's like, yes. oh, Nissan and all that stuff and find a way to translate it into the English version. And then they decided to keep that for the remake. Yeah, that's the thing that pisses me off the most. They, they kept that for the remake. And I'm trying to remember ancient ancient days when they had the fan translation how they localized charlotte because she was still intolerable but i don't remember if she had the r's as w's oh yeah she did i was gonna say for f's sake but i decided not to swear i stopped myself just in time thank you for doing that nadia (laughs) (laughs) we're a g-rated podcast here okay pg we're pg we're we're a pg skirting on pg-13 but um yeah, and the really the pity about it is I think Charlotte actually has one of the more interesting stories in the game for what that's worth. She is a half elf and you know spoilers because who cares here. Uh her parents were, you know, forbidden because forbidden love because he was a he was a human, she was an elf, they were skater boy, you know how the the story goes. And to be together, they basically shortened their lifespans because that's the only way a, a human and an elf could be together for some reason. So Charlotte comes across their graves later in the game, and it could be a kind of a touching scene, but she's she's Charlotte, so it's not. <laughs> yeah, like literally the first scene that you you watch with Charlotte is her playing in a field, and she sees her parents, and they're flying away or something. They disappear. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're disappearing, and she's like, "Don't weave me," and you're like. <laughs> okay like any pathos from this scene has now been removed and it's like frankly charlotte if i was your parents i would yeet to heaven myself like i would i would not stick around yeah so i just yeah you can avoid charlotte you don't have to play as her but if you want the full experience like charlotte is kind of unavoidable and i think that keeping like not just keeping the charlotte the way she was but leaning into it as heavily as they did seemed like a mistake to me Oh, it's a huge mistake. And here's the thing. Even without that annoying, you know, quirk of hers and the audio quirk, it is hard to read dialect like that. I, I, I can't, like, I'm a very, very fast reader, and I can process things, like, 
very quickly. But when I look at her stupid dialogue and it's all all bumpy because of the, these stupid Ws, I get so mad. Yeah, it's just it almost feels like. Uh, so it's not the exact same script, but it feels like they ha- they couldn't do a wholesale rewrite. So they re they wrote around the edges where they could basically and expanded what they could, if 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 that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So uh, that's what they went with. Uh, hooray! Thank you for that. We really appreciate it. Yeah, and then with the actual the the actual quality of the voice acting varies extremely wildly. Uh, Imran Khan, who's over at Kind of Funny, was observing that there are things there there are lines that sound almost like they were recorded over Skype or something. Like like probably had they had to do retakes but they weren't able to get it back into the studio. <laughs> and so you're just going, oh, the uh, the audio quality in this game is kind of painful at times. I can't say I noticed any major problems with the audio quality, but of course I didn't like get every single character in the game because I just stuck to the one path. I will say the quality of the voice acting varies so wildly that I am just baffled. Like We've already talked about the problems with Charlotte. Reese is, I understand she's supposed to be a very straight-laced princess, but she is just so robotic that it is ridiculous. On the other hand, you have Belladonna, who's the bad guy in Hawkeye's story, who's a thief. And her acting is is perfectly good. Like, I I met her in the Mana Holy Land, which is where, like, everyone kind of clashes, Tolkien style. And she fails, like, according to my stories, canon, like, she fails to take over the world. And she's just kind of standing there lamenting how she can't bring her lord back to life from, you know, the, the dark underworld. And she she delivers this, this speech very, very well. And it was actually quite touching. And then, like, you just run to characters who, as you say, like, sounded like they needed another take. And they did, they did not get it. Um, I got used to Kevin because Kevin is supposed to be, you know, that sort of slow beast boy. He always had that quirk. And I eventually grew to like the fact that, okay... He's still a young boy, so he has a young boy's voice. He can't exactly be, like, all gruff and stuff. Uh, but you just never know what you're going to get when a character opens their mouth. And let's just say it keeps things exciting. What I want to know with Trials of Mana is, was there any way that they could have approved, improved upon the source material appreciably, in your opinion? Um, they already improved upon the the gameplay, I think. I think that's a big thing. They also improved by just simply giving us a map. The first game did not have a map, and that was that was torture. Was, oh, God, yes, you're completely right. I was playing this NES game, and I was so lost in that stupid forest. Exactly. Like, if what you get instead of a map is you find these, like, little little guys who launch you into the air, and you can see where you are, and just helps does not help at all. Whereas Trials of Mana, the remake, has a perfectly comprehensive map. There's actually a little minigame where you can try to find a little guy called Little Cactus... And if you find him, he gives you rewards. So that, that's kind of fun. So I feel like Trials of Mana is already quite an improvement over the original. The only real ding I have against it is, well, we talked about the graphics and how the original had those beautiful sprites. And, you know, this version has perfectly serviceable models, but they're nothing extremely special. So I feel like that's the one aspect that really puts the original over the remake. But so the next question is, okay... It is definitely an appreciable uh, improvement upon the original game, but does it stand on its own? Does it hold up? Like, is it a game that I could easily say, oh, I, you should go play this game? Because I don't know that it is. Um, 
The combat reminded me of Ease 8. Yeah, see, I, I can easily recommend it for fans of action RPGs. Like, if you are someone who just likes to go into an RPG and hit the hell out of things with swords, maybe it's not quite as, you know, in-depth as the Ease 8, which is a very, has kind of a great story and, ta- and base building and other fun stuff. But it's, uh, Trials of Mana still lets you kind of get your aggressions out. And in this day and age, that's not a bad thing. I think that it's the kind of game that can look okay on a handheld screen on a Switch. I am actually not sure how the Switch version runs because they gave me a PS4 code. Yeah, that they kind of notably kept the the the, P- the Switch version <laughs> away from everybody, which is not a great sign. And that's usually quite telling because usually reviewers uh, they try to give you a choice, uh, like, I okay, mean, what do you what system do you want? There are times where it runs fine on Switch, but they just want to put their best foot forward, and the PS4 version is the best. Yeah, one. and. They did, because the PS4 version, I didn't notice any sort of major problems. I don't think I, I noticed any frame drops. There is some texture, load-in, pop-up, you know, so you're going to get that. But then again, you have that with Final Fantasy VII Remake too. so I was just kind of used to it. I guess with Trials of Mana, I suppose that it can be the kind of game that you sit on the couch and watch a show and play with the, the sound off. Because it's yeah, not ultimately I, I really that so. intensive, and you can then avoid the the really horrendous voice acting. Yeah. Um, here's the thing about it, though. Uh, even though I, I wholeheartedly recommend it to action uh, RPG fans, it's not priced like a budget game. And I really, really hate saying that because I'm really so against you know rating games according to their their price. But I feel like some people are going to balk at that full price. And I would say in that case, okay, wait for wait for a sale because it's still worth it. But I understand why you don't want to shell out like I don't know how much things cost in America these days. And I have all Canadian pricing in my head, but <laughs> you don't want to pay like maybe a triple A price for it. I guess I don't know that I can wholeheartedly. I mean, okay, you played a lot more than me, and yes, but at the same time, like I think the thing that I'm wondering is. If you took the if you filed the serial number off, if this weren't a, a mana game, if this were uh, Valkyrie and Friends with that really annoying little elf girl, <laughs> the RPG, yes. would we be a lot harsher on it? Like divorced from the the context of the mana series, is this just a bad game? And I'm kind of wondering if it is. No, I don't feel like that at all. If you look at the reviews. Our four out of five is kind of comfortably in the middle of the the Metacritic scale, and not everyone who reviewed the game and gave it a favorable score is necessarily a huge mono fan. And I mean, obviously, if you're not a fan of our action RPGs, I wouldn't say, "Hey, you're gonna find like a real life changing experience here." So go ahead and give it a try. But if you are a fan of action RPGs, like sure, go for it. Like um, there aren't that many really good in-depth action RPGs out there. Like, I, I recommended the E's 8. I recommended, like, the E series in general. Is it that in-depth, But though? otherwise... Is it? I mean, I guess, okay, it has the class changes, and it adds to the original system. Uh, but I don't know, like, am I going to call it the greatest action RPG of all time? I don't know about that. No, of course you're not. It's not, it's not the greatest action RPG of all time. That would be, again, that would be one of the E's games, or it would be Witcher 3. It's just... Well, even what Witcher 3 is. doesn't have that good of combat. That's true. Kind of Honestly, Final Fantasy sucks. 7 Remake might be the best action RPG of all time. But that's so much... Di- like, here's the interesting thing about, like, Trials of Mana. I was playing it alongside Final Fantasy 7, and Final Fantasy 7 has a very, very interesting, very new kind of 
system and I enjoy it. But when I felt like, okay, I just need to kind of step back for a bit and, and just lose my brain for a while, there was Trials of Mana and I found myself just really enjoying it in the shadow of Final Fantasy VII Remake. I can't play games that require me to turn off my brain. Because oh, maybe that's your problem. <laughs> they just make me want to go to sleep. I, no, I, I just like, they're, they're my meditation. It makes me feel like my life force is, sap, is sapping away. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> I, am, I am wasting my time. This is a complete waste of time. This is not engaging me in any way whatsoever. I am just passing time. And mm-hmm. I guess I, I need a game that engages me in some, in some way. Like Final Fantasy VII Remake, it's an action RPG, but it has a lot of tactics to it. It does. You can't, you can't turn off your brain to play Final Fantasy VII Remake. Every encounter takes uh, some thought. Whereas Kingdom Hearts, man, you, gotta, you just turn your brain off. Don't even think about it. Yeah, and as we know by the popularity of Kingdom Hearts, some people just really like that. Some people enjoy that, and I am one of those people, although I'm not a fan of Kingdom Hearts because the story is weird. And with Witcher 3, a lot of people like to rag on the the battle system. It can feel a little stiff, uh, for sure. In fact, if you go back to our Witcher 3 review from many, many moons ago on Acts of the Blood God, yes, we did review Witcher 3 once upon a time. I was Mm. very harsh on the battle system um, at that time. But I don't know, once I got to a certain point, I really liked the feeling of almost dancing between enemies and feeling really powerful and limbs are falling, flying everywhere and some people are on fire. <laughs> like it was such a great feeling to walk into a village and find a pack of bandits just standing there and they'd be like, I'd be like, oh, is this how it's going to go? And the next thing you know, it's just like, boom, 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 boom. And then they're all on the ground <laughs> on Dead fire, bandits. screaming. And you're just like, Yep, I sure did that. <laughs> <laughs> that was and, my work. And the boss fights were a lot of fun too. And they did a really good job of making the the boss uh, the monster fights in particular really exciting, really tactical. You had to think about it's like, oh, it's this particular monster, therefore this sign works, and I gotta be able to coat my sword with blank, and I gotta use these abilities. And when you start thinking about it in that context, Witcher Three's combat improves appreciably, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, when I look at a game like Trials of Mana, like, you described plenty of instances where it does feel like it has a little bit of that tactical feel. Uh, I'm just wondering, like, how much it leads into that. Not as much as something like The Witcher 3, obviously, but just enough sure. to keep me engaged. So um, it's not completely mindless, just mostly mindless. Mostly mindless. You know, I'd say, like, 65% mindless. But, hey, I know I'm in the minority. A lot of people enjoy these kinds of games. Yeah, um, there there is a certain, as I say, there's a certain meditation to it. By it, it I, one thing I really like about the Trials of Mana combat is there there is a certain weight to it. Like I used Kevin most of the time, and he's like a werewolf grappler, so you can like really sink into the enemies and really feel your, yourself like just kind of pounding your fists into them. And I appreciated that very much. So yeah, uh, I'll just try to sum things up um, at the risk of constantly going in circles and repeating myself. <laughs> I think the thing that turns me off about this game and makes me not want to continue going is it the story feels pretty babyish um, or very very young. And mm-hmm. I so I, I can't really grapple with that. And normally people would be like, Cat, but Cat, you don't really like RPG stories anyway. I'm like, well, the systems aren't interesting enough to make up for it. So if the systems are that great, right. then, then the narrative really needs to carry me through. And so it, this game doesn't really have either. 
And while the actual character models look nice, the, the, the world itself is not particularly engaging to me. The setting doesn't really hold my interest. The characters don't really stand out to me in any kind of meaningful way. And it's hard for me to play a game just for the sake of playing a game. And also, I don't have any like emotional connection to the Mana series. So it's hard for me to be like, oh yeah, like I definitely have to play this game. Like I would be playing this game because I would want to play this game. And I, I just can't be bothered. I have much better options on my Switch even. Heck, I would play Ease 8. Uh, like, I would go and get Ease 8, which, I mean, you were saying, oh, yeah, the action in that game is really good. Everybody says Ease 8 is really uh, excellent in many ways. Like, I would be like, I would certainly go out and get this, that before this. Maybe, it, even if I were so starved for a new RPG, I would find something else to play. <laughs> The Switch is not wanting for good RPGs. So it's just, I can't I can't bring myself to play Trials of Mana. Nadia, make the case for this game. I mean, I come from a very different mindset here. As a, a longtime Mana fan, an action RPG fan, I'm just like, hey, this is a this is a fun game. It's a good way to get your stress out. It has, no, that's another greatest story, but the characters have their charms. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's my pitch. If you want a decent action RPG and or if you're a Mana fan. I really like what they did with the Trials remake, uh, Trials of Mana remake. I, I like the way they improved the systems. Um, maybe the graphics aren't the best in the world, but they're perfectly fine. So yeah, if you're even if you're hesitant and you like Mana and you like action RPGs, maybe wait for a sale because I'm sure a sale is coming sooner or later. But I mean, I would say really if you are, if you feel like my, if you feel like me, just don't sit on it. That, that's pretty much it. Would you recommend this, or would you recommend the Mana Collection with the original Super Nintendo game? I would recommend Trials first, because uh, I still feel like the Trials remake. of Mana 2D. Yeah, the remake, sorry. Because I still feel like Trials of Mana 2D is it's a difficult game to play, because, again, no map, and weird combat, and one thing, actually, that the remake gets rid of that is just rampant in the original are trap boxes, like... It, the game stops you every five minutes to, to poison you or stab you with a spear if you try to open a treasure box. And your, your luck stat is supposed to negate that, but apparently luck stat, is, luck stat is bugged, so it doesn't work. So it's not the easiest game to play. I would say maybe for the novelty, go for it, because again, it's absolutely beautiful. The soundtrack is beautiful, and so is the remake soundtrack. I am actually glad that Whereas the original Secret of Mana kind of collaborated with a whole bunch of different composers, and there was basically one composer working on the remake soundtrack and generally did it justice. I'm going to be that person and say that I don't think the Mana series ever actually was that good. Yeah, see, I'm not that person at all. I, you know, yes, I do have an emotional attachment to the Mana series, but there is a certain kind of satisfaction to his combat that I still enjoy very much and I go back to because you know Mana's the series story is not the greatest but I love its environments and I love its combat so there's that I really gave Secret of Mana a choice a chance like a big chance uh, yeah you did I was trying my best to really enjoy it and I didn't like the combat I found it very yeah. stiff and not very satisfying and kind of frustrating to navigate and I didn't care for the story or the characters or the music even. Really? Not even the music? Not even really the music. It was okay. I And 
when I when I thought about it, I just thought this game probably was amazing in 1993 or 1994, and yeah, certainly the sprite art's incredible. Like this game would have just exploded off the screen at that time, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. It, now is not that time. <laughs> the series doesn't really hold up. Like a lot of its strengths have dissipated, and whereas a game like Final Fantasy VI or Dragon Quest V or Chrono Trigger really stand out um, and hold up in so many significant ways. I just can't say the same for the Mana series. So, no, you can't. But a lot of people can. So, that's I think a lot of people to. have a special place in their heart for the Mana series, and I'm I'm sure a lot of them are going to tweet at me now, <laughs> including <laughs> Parrish, who I oh, Parrish is going to kill you. <laughs> I have a really strong respect for Parrish's opinions, you know, on games, and he he loves Secret of Mana, but uh, I don't know. I'm not seeing it. Sorry. Yeah, I think I think Secret of Mana was one of his first, one of the games that got him back into gaming when he'd been away from it for a long time. Anyway, so that's our Trials of Mana remake review. Go check out the full written review over on the site. Uh, I don't know, like, it's one of those Rorschach tests. If you have a connection to the Mana series and you really like that kind of aesthetic and you're into action RPGs and you, you like the kind of cell shady thing and you're not as troubled... <laughs> by the, the kind of younger feeling of the storyline, probably you're going to really enjoy it. Um, and if you're like me, well, then you probably hate life in the universe itself, and I feel very <laughs> bad for you. I'm sorry. All right. Let's continue on to the track of the week. Okay, Nadia, last week we introduced a brand new segment. It's called Track of the Week, in which we take a RPG track from a particularly notable soundtrack and we talk about it this week we take a track from the secret of mana just to mix things up a little bit so we're not talking about trials of mana the entire time mm-hmm. and nadia recommended this track it's called a bell is tolling let's have a listen So yeah, a bell is tolling. Nadia, why did you choose this particular track? This is a track that you only hear once in the game, and that's when you go for the Mana Seed in the Ice Palace. Um, and that's, it's very interesting because other uh, palaces where you go after Mana Seeds generally recycle their music. This is a one instance where that doesn't happen, and it's a very kind of standout environment because as you can probably guess just by the sound, by the song itself, it's takes place in an icy castle, whereas every other dungeons are kind of like, you know, regular dungeons or caves or whatnot. This is a castle with, like, barracks and, you know, knights, I guess, like, kind of lost souls guarding it. Um, it has a very melancholy feel, but at the same time, it has a very nice buildup that goes into a more energetic drop. And I always associate this song with Christmas because <laughs> when you get to the end of the palace, you murder you Santa. You murder Santa, you fight the Ice Gigas, who turns out to be Santa after he's been, like, mutated by evil or, or something like that. So you kill the Gigas, and he's like, oh, 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 what have I been up to? And then Rudolph, like, dead-ass Rudolph, comes up to Santa and is like, oh, Master, I'm so glad you're okay. And it turns out poor Santa 
was sad because kids stopped believing in him because mana was being depleted. So he thought, if I got a mana tree, if I got a mana seed, I can grow the biggest Christmas tree ever. And it totally went wrong. And <laughs> it's just, it's probably one of the greatest RPG dungeons ever just for that. What is this story? Seriously. It is. It's so great. You're going to go rescue Santa. He's trying to grow the biggest Christmas tree ever. If that's not mana story, I don't know what is. I So I, I was just saying that I don't like the Secret of Mana soundtrack that much. And I think it's because it has a really synthetic feel yeah, uh, compared to a lot of other, a lot of my favorite Secret of Mana, or a lot of my favorite SNES soundtracks. That said, I really like the very chill kind of snow, the, the kind of music that I would associate with snow that you listen mm-hmm. to just outside of the Ice Palace. And then when you enter into the actual Ice Palace, you hear this song. It's interesting because it, it evokes all kinds of feelings. I described it as melancholy because, again, you're in a castle that's filled with kind of lost souls. That's what I associate the knights there with. But it has in the second half a kind of an energy that's, that's very unique for the environment like how would you describe that energy specifically i don't know like it it kind of like keeps you going like it, it it's a sad environment but you keep on going because santa needs your help <laughs> yeah I, so i think that the the snow environment is very much in keeping with the kind of music that you often hear where it's very low-key mm-hmm. and you're just kind of thinking about the beauty of the snow and everything. And I would say that the Ice Palace music definitely picks up a notch, but also remains very low-key in its own way. Yeah, um, that's the interesting thing about snow music that most video game composers capture really well. I mean, I think both you and I know that what it's like to kind of stand in a snowstorm and how muffled the sound gets and how just the world almost shuts itself out. And it, it's the kind of environment where a song like this would really kind of resonate with you. Yeah, pianos tend to work extremely well with ice for, for whatever reason. They're rarely very energetic, probably because when mm. you're standing in snow, you, you're feeling the cold is sapping all of the life out of you and you just don't want to move. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, one bonus uh, bit of trivia about this bit of music and the castle it's part of. Uh, there is an enemy in this castle that's basically a floating book. And it's really cute because it flips through pages before it casts spells at you. On a random chance, it will flip to a, a pop, a, a pinup of a naked lady. <laughs> what? And I swear to God, you can look it up on YouTube. And this is something that got through the censors in, in you know, Nintendo of America. And I was like, did I just see what I thought I saw when I was like 13 years old? And I saw it for the first time. I was like, there's no way I just saw that. But no, it's it goes to a picture of a naked lady. It's pretty amazing. Well, this track was composed by Hiroki Kikuta. Uh, The soundtrack is noted for the use of bells and dark, solemn pianos. And despite what I said earlier, uh, the Secret of Mana soundtrack is generally held in very high regard. And uh, I think he tried to do a lot of things that you don't often hear on the Super Nintendo sound chip, like, I guess, Mm -hmm. the sound of a whale cry in one of the title tracks, that kind of thing. He was definitely pushing the Super Nintendo sound chip in ways that people weren't really used to. Yeah, I think I read a story somewhere that he kind of demanded that whale sound, which is associated with the Mana Fortress itself for reasons I still don't quite understand. But that takes up a significant 
bit of the game's uh, memory, apparently, that whale sound. Yeah, and he he actually did an AMA on Reddit back in 2014, uh, where he talks a lot about what it was like to work with the Super Nintendo sound chip and his mindset when he was composing Secret of Mana. So I definitely recommend that you go check that out because I think it provides a lot of really good uh, and enjoyable uh, insight into 16-bit sound composition. Um, so Kikuta himself, he says he finds composing music to be natural, like breathing. Um, <laughs> and he is inspired to create his music by things that he has seen, especially while traveling. And he can credits mm. much of the musical imagery in Secret of Mana as being inspired by several trips in Fiji he has visited. So I found oh, that's that interesting, pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, if I had to describe Secret of Mana's music with a color, I mean, I'm going to go instantly for green because the whole game is very, very green. It was a game that was made in a time where the environment was like, we were just kind of realizing, hey, you know, we should really protect the environment. And I feel like Mana, parts of it really resonate with that message. Um, the whole idea is you can't use up Mana because it's the planet's energy. It's very much like the live stream in Final Fantasy VII. So, but civilization is using up Mana for convenience and it's, it's you know, kind of like the energy crisis in our own world. And of course, that's part of the reason I think the whale sound is there because the 90s, we were very, very keen on saving the whales. He apparently is named Pink Floyd as his single biggest musical influence. And I honestly, I can hear a lot of Pink Floyd, like Dark Side of the Moon. Uh, there in is this... so much Floyd in 16-bit RPGs. But especially this song. This song is very Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. And you say Dark Side of the Moon, I think, I think you have something there. I, like, a few breathe. years ago... Went to a planetarium and listened, uh, saw a laser show set to the dark side of the moon. And I, it, it was, it was trippy. I, unfortunately, I, would, I did not I take enough that. acid. <laughs> I would not do acid to a laser show. I think that would be a bad combination. Uh, but weed, sure. Kikuta, his other games that he has worked on, including, include Shining Hearts, Soul Calibur 5. Uh, various mm. other mana games he was involved with secret of mana remake he worked on y2k which was mm, an interesting situation and indivisible interestingly enough yeah he did do some music for indivisible so to bring it back around with the track of the week a bell is tolling how do you think let's contextualize it within the rest of the secret of mana's soundtrack uh, how well does it exemplify the Secret of Mana, like musical soundscape, and like what does it do really well, and how does it really uh, hit the right atmosphere for the the dungeon? The word that he used there was solemn, which yes, that is that is the word for it. Yeah, I I think it's just it manages to take the snow kind of like motif uh, that you hear outside, and it manages to quicken it enough to convey a sense of danger when you're inside that dungeon but mm -hmm, definitely also retains that kind of magical feeling and ultimately yes. it fits really well with a dungeon that involves fighting santa it really does i mean it is perfect for music to fight santa by that is it <laughs> and secret of mana i feel like its soundtrack is quite experimental maybe not as much as chrono triggers but there is a, a variance in a lot of the tunes that I appreciate, and this is one of them. It was a kind of a nice surprise 
coming into this dungeon and hearing something different and realizing, oh, this is this is a little more special than the others. And actually, the enemies in that dungeon hit, hit, hit pretty damn hard. All right. That was the track of the week. If you want to submit your own ideas for the track of the week, uh, keep sending them to me. I enjoy having some ideas. You guys were sending me a lot of different ideas in the comments, and I really appreciate that. And we will continue on to the next week. Maybe next week we will try a uh, a track of the week that maybe fits in with the console RPG quest, uh, specifically mm. something from the GameCube, so that we're mm. uh, getting away from the 16 and 32-bit era just a little bit. And, of course, I wouldn't mind doing some Western RPGs as well. All right, let's do one quick mailbag question. This is from Brian Clark. Uh, Brian Clark says, Cat, Wall Market is one of my favorite tracks in Final Fantasy VII. I love the bass line. Are we even talking about the same song? I would understand <laughs> if you're thinking of the Honey Bee Inn or Corneo's theme, the latter of which isn't actually half bad, just could have a better arrangement. For me, one of the most disappointing things about Remake was that they changed the song for Wall Market to something truly annoying and hokey. Luckily, a remix of the original song appears in the construction area, leading to Wall Market and is pretty great. I guess, yeah, okay. So I think the song itself is pretty good. So it has that, how would I would describe it? It definitely conveys the sense of being seedy. It is definitely seedy. That's the word I was going to say. I agree that the bass line of the do 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 yeah that's like that's good like it that that when I think of that song that is the first thing that comes to mind I think that I just in a visceral way associate this song with not liking the Walmart section in Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, like it had the way I saw it described on Twitter is the new one has such a glow up. Although, I, yeah, I don't like the music in the new wall market so much. I do appreciate how it changes from character to character. Like when you go from Chocobo Sam to Madame M, uh, you get different versions of the song. But it's um, it's not my favorite song of the game. It sounds more like a casino instead, like an upbeat sort of like almost Disneyland instead of the seedy place that it is. I think that the Final Fantasy VII remake has some songs that absolutely rip and are amazing. And it has a lot of kind of forgettable AAA-sounding music. That's a good way to put it, AAA-sounding music. Um, I love some of the remakes, sorry, some of the remixes they did. Like, when I when I recognize an old song, I'm just like, holy crap. Especially when uh, there was a boss I was up against, and it was a big boss. And I can't remember who it was, but it, it, I finally heard um, Those Who Fight Further, which is the boss theme for Final Fantasy VII. I was like, oh, man, hell yeah, that's like... The first time I, one of the first times Final Fantasy VII really, really resonated with me, and I finally realized I love this game, is when that ga- that song was playing. I was up on the roof with fighting Rufus, and that just like it just struck me so hard, and I just love that song so much, and I'm so glad it's in the remake. They remixed One Wing and Angel and made it relevant and not cliche. It's pretty remarkable. <laughs> let me like divert. Let me just divert with a very funny story. Um, I appreciate One Winged Angel, but if you've ever been to a Final Fantasy show where they play the music, they will they will play that song to death. And I was the last show I was at was at Otakon, and I was with my friend, and we're like, "Oh God, they're gonna play One Winged Angel!" And sure enough, they played it at the end. And I think Uematsu actually came out to conduct it, so that was kind of cool. But then the next day, this was at Otakon again. 
they had an acoustic version of the Final Fantasy Distant Worlds concert. And I said, okay, let's go to that. That sounds like a lot of fun. And it was very nice. And my friend and I were like, ah, at least they can't do One Winged Angel here. And they did One Winged <laughs> Freaking Angel with guitars and shit. I was just like, oh my God. You go to the Zelda concert, there's One Winged Angel. You go to a Pink Floyd <laughs> concert, escape. why is Uematsu here? I can't escape. You're at EDC. Everybody's jumping up that. and down in the mosh pit, getting high to One Winged Angel. <laughs> I would love to see you and Matsu and Pink Floyd team up. I was at EDC a few years ago, and Zed did a really good uh, Zelda medley. Oh, nice. Yeah, like an electronic Zelda medley with a laser light show looked pretty dang cool, I gotta say. I'd attend that. But getting back to Wall Market, yeah, I think that the reason that that song grates on me is while it's a competently well-done song, I never liked the Wall Market as a section, and so that was just a reminder to me that's like, oh, I'm at this section that I don't like. Right. Yeah, I understand that. It's like, oh, God, okay, let's get through this as quick as possible. And it's it also, a signal. And it also clashes heavily with the more mournful tunes uh, that come before it. I like the really sad, kind of sounding, almost tragic vibe, the haunting vibe of Final Fantasy VII. And when it gets into, oh, we're in the really seedy kind of music, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I, I'm not all the way down with it. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. This music is kind of, if worse, it's kind of an earworm. Like it's stuck in my head right oh, now. Total, I'm thinking about total, it. It's a total, total earworm. It's one of those songs you wake up in the morning and it's in your head and you don't know why. I'm not even going to play it right now because I don't want it to get stuck in other people's heads. <laughs> I'm a good Samaritan. <laughs> Google if you dare. All right. That's our episode of Acts of the Blood God. We will be back as always next Monday or we actually are going to continue the console RPG quest. I feel like we got tied up a little bit with Final Fantasy VII Remake stuff and mm-hmm. Spoiler well, Roundtable like... and Trials of Mana Remake. So we had a bunch of stuff that we needed to cover. But yeah. that's all in the past. We can continue on with the console RPG quest. I'm very excited. Next week we're going to be doing the GameCube. Got a little yes. GameCube nostalgia for all you kids out there. And yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to delving into the GameCube's kind of weird kind of patchy rpg legacy in general i think yeah like it was very weird but what was there was generally good um i as usual you can find me on twitter at the underscore catbot nadia's at nadia oxford leave us a review if you enjoy the show and make sure to send me a dm uh if you have any questions or comments concerns things that you want us to talk about you can also reach me at cat.bailey at usgamer.net k-a-t dot b-a-i-l-e-y at usgamer.net and subscribe to our newsletter which comes out every wednesday okay we'll be back next week until then stay healthy stay safe mm. stay indoors don't inject yourself with bleach and happy adventure. <laughs> drink it drink it <laughs>